0: morning you said 48 49
1: That's one I, and, and last one was 50 this is number 51 by the way hi folks hi. if anybody's listening
0: yes well, i think we had alienated the rest of our last three listeners at our last podcast
1: you know aliens are a really big topic today so alienating people You're could be a right. gift
0: In fact, but we're not more. talking
1: about that today there's
0: lots of well there's lots of pictures coming out You know, that I truly believe on the Internet.
1: Aliens waving.
0: Yeah, yeah. The saucer thing that was out yesterday. Yeah. Brand new one. Yeah.
1: Well, you know what today is. You do know what today is.
0: Yeah, it's the end of my isolation. No,
1: no, no. Do you know what today is?
0: (laughs) And anybody watching this is probably going to get COVID because they're watching Anybody
1: under 50 would not have any idea what today is. Today is? July twenty. Yeah, you're right. It is July 20th. It is. It's July 20th, like 1969. I was laying on my back in my backyard looking up at the sky wondering could I actually see the Apollo landing on the moon with my naked eye? Oh, was that The answer just, is no. It's way too that, small. And 230,000 miles away, there's no way in the world you could see it.
0: Huh, that was, that well, was today. But that was all done. You know that was all in a studio
1: a in a back lot. And- <laughs> all
0: you gotta do is go to the internet, and uh, they'll tell you how wrong it was. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, which makes people really anxious because they thought their whole life it was real, and now it's not real. So they're telling you know people
1: are not gonna watch Gripping Reality or tell their friends to watch Gripping Reality. <laughs> So sorry, I'm the serious part of this team. Well, <laughs> I've been cooped
0: up for five days. What do you expect?
1: Yeah, see, you get COVID. I'm immune.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's because you're too nasty. And it doesn't like you. <laughs> you Got to be nastier than the bug.
1: Mosquitoes land on my skin and they just fly away without biting me because.
0: <laughs> Why do I believe that? There's actually, actually no believe- blood
1: in this guy. <laughs> You know, only female mosquitoes bite, males do not.
0: Yes, I know that. Males are much gentler and kinder.
1: It's the women of the world. No, let's not go there.
0: (laughs) Please stop. (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) This is really bad. So anxiety, you want to talk
1: about your anxious? We do we do a lot of training, Mike and I do. I do individual training. Mike does a lot of consulting. Uh, we do a lot of team training together. If anybody ever wants a comic team that knows what they're talking about, you could hire Mike and Mike, um, which is us. I'm referring to us in third person, but it's actually us. And uh, and on Monday, uh, our church has a preschool program and wraparound childcare. And uh, and so uh, in in order to have ongoing staff training, we do regular events for our staff and uh, the director, who's my wife, Pam, asked if I would take a segment of a portion of a part of the book, Why Do People Act That Way and What Can I Do About It? And do a training on anxiety. Particularly, how do staff and parents recognize emergent anxiety in their children because they often don't have words. To describe what they're feeling accurately, so they'll act out or it may substitute with a more common feeling. Uh, So to do training for our staff, we have quite a number of young staff people uh, and parents on the topic of anxiety. Uh, And so I thought, well, for getting prepped for that particular training event next Monday, we're going to record that, and then eventually it will be available as a segment piece. Um, I thought it would be good for Mike and I to chat about anxiety. And he said, so we're going to talk about worry. And I posed the, the, the insightful question, is <laughs> worry the same thing as anxiety? And I don't know that I have it, if worry is the same thing as anxiety, then let's just eliminate one of the words and we'll never have anxiety again because we worry all the time or right. we don't worry about anything because we have anxiety. Is it exactly the same thing or is it different? But what is anxiety? How do you feel it? How do you recognize it in yourself? How do you recognize it in children or in others who can't necessarily communicate uh, at a very, very high level? Um what is anxiety and how do you deal with it? Is there any solution? Is there any resolve for anxiety?
0: Right. Well, that's, I mean, I think the obvious is the defining what is, what does it mean to have anxiety or to be anxious? Um, is there, is there a, and you're right, there needs to be a delineation between the two of anxious and worry. Um, which is is kind of fascinating and you know you the the point is you asked me this morning before he came on you know I was talking about this and I said well you know the world is really has tons of anxiety and anxiousness you go well where'd you get that from and right from a standpoint of if we're trying to pull down data we could probably do that (laughs) excuse me but the the reality of, of where we are living right now in the the times we are living in our culture in our country, there are some very very real things that is that are causing, anxiousness, if you will, i.e. Uh, I wouldn't say that's the same as worry in my mind because I think in in my defining is anxiousness and worry are uh, are words within the same continuum, but one is. I would say one is um, more intense, more intense than the more other
1: more active. So uh, you just made a comment that is conventionally accepted that I do not accept.
0: All right, go for it.
1: And you said, and I'm quoting in rough terms. We could play the tape back, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> there are a number of aspects of the modern world that are causing. Anxiety. And one of the challenges that I have is nothing causes anxiety. Anxiety is a response. Uh, I just saw a picture of a person who's visiting the state of Maryland, and they got a picture of a copperhead snake crawling across the road in front of them. And the person's comment was, This copperhead made me so scared. And I thought that's a very unhealthy self description. The copperhead snake is doing what copperhead snakes do crawling across the road, slithering. It was doing that before. It's going to do it again. The snake does it over and over and over. So my perception of the snake, what I believe it might do to me, my response to that can be anxiety, fear, delight, enjoyment, fascination, terror. I have all kinds of I could I could be a child of the age of three and say, oh, pretty snake and go running to catch it. And my parent would scream in horror, snatch me away and attempt to stomp the snake to death because I have no idea what danger I'm in. But I might not be in any danger. I, I might be, but I might not be. So so when you say the environment causes anxiety. I want to back up to that and say I have a response of anxiety. My question is, why do I feel that way? Why does my child? Feel anxiety. Why is that a response or a reaction? To certain stimulus that are stimuli that are that are occurring in the world. Because the very same activity, the same event for one person might stimulate anxiety in them and somebody else, thrill or gratitude. And so if the event can cause something, that should actually be fairly universal, but it's not. Right. So backing up a step allows me to think about the the topic of anxiety maybe in more fresh terms than the world, the finances, COVID, wildfires, pick a topic, war in Ukraine, gas prices, cause me to be anxious. Here's the challenge I have for that. If those events are in control of my anxiety, I will not stop feeling anxiety until that source stops its control over me, which may never happen, in which case I will be anxious forever. Right. And I blame pick a topic. I may go from one topic to the next because anxiety is a major part of my life. So let's first begin by defining anxiety within our terminology? How do That's, we see anxiety?
0: And I would say, I would agree with you, you know that, that it's our response because it's exactly what we teach.
1: And then stop so, saying it made me.
0: No, because I had to give you- I'm gonna you a nail segue. you
1: every time. I had to give and you a segue- And if you say anything, I'm gonna interrupt
0: you. Yeah, it's gonna give Until you a Until you get so
1: annoyed. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> I gave you a segue, you should be happy. You know. I have not, now, should. I. Do. You should, and you need to, and you must.
1: Don't go there, don't go there, happy. don't go there.
0: You are deserving every bit of this just right now. I do Am I major anxious yet? That's what I want to know.
1: I do deserve it, and I love it. That's fine. <laughs> All right, so how do we define anxiety? In what of the emotional systems do we place the normal Anxiety. Sounds really odd to call it normal anxiety, but where do we put normal anxiety? It's in fear, isn't it? It's a function of fear right? in the emotional system we call exposure. Exposure, right. So exposure is stimulated by my perception of what? What am I lacking if I have feelings of exposure?
0: I would say security.
1: Security, safety. Right. a lot, some kind a of all sense of yeah right
0: protection you know right. no harm no harm done those right kinds of so
1: things. if i begin to have anxious feelings it's reasonable to start the conversation by saying where are you not safe or where is are your feet your life not in a secure place Can you describe that even to a young child at the age of three or four or five? Right, exactly. Why don't you feel safe right right now? Right. And because that the word anxiety is a is a four syllable word that many young children you say, Are you scared? Even to a two or three year old, they may parrot back, I'm scared they're learning how the language fits the feelings they have, but right. the feelings right. have no words yet. Right. But when you say, are you feeling a mild bit of anxiety? It's like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I see your mouth yeah. moving, but I don't yeah. know what you're saying. <laughs> so, so the the challenge is how do we enable a young child or ourselves or our elderly parents to have a more accurate way of processing what we're feeling, what we're perceiving in the area of exposure, fear, right, right. concerning stimuli, stimulus factors that say to me, I'm not safe, I'm not secure, I'm not protected right now. Right. And I might actually not be safe. Right. But I might be safe, but believe I'm not. Right. The reaction of the feelings are exactly the same, whether I'm really in danger or I only believe I'm in danger, but I'm not.
0: So let's take a scenario of a child. Let's say a a child. You know, normally at bedtime, you go through the bedtime routine and life is good. And they have their, you know, cup of water. You do <clears throat> go in, tuck them in, do your prayers with them. <clears throat> they drift off to sleep, not a problem. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, there seems that when you get ready to leave the room, they're they're calling out to you and saying, you know. Can you just sit here for a while? Can you just be with me? And then you go, sure. So Well, you that's a pretty
1: forever. complex mental. They may right. just start crying.
0: Or they start crying or they're whimpering. Or you leave the room and you're gone for two minutes and out they come. And this has not been the norm at all. So now all of a sudden you're saying, well, then you're putting them back to bed. And, I mean, you have choices at this point of, you know is getting frustrated because they're not staying in bed
1: <laughs>
0: or you you start identifying the fact that there's something different going on here and be able to start asking them very simple questions of that whole thing you know honey why are you why are you afraid why why do you why do you want to be out of bed? I think that it's Crawling into those kinds of questions, <clears throat> where the where the child of getting to that fear factor of what are you, what is it that you're afraid of? What's what's you know that's
1: interesting it? because you're inciting the language of fear by asking the question that way.
0: So how would you ask it?
1: What are you feeling right now? Can you tell me what you're feeling? Okay. Not what are you afraid of? You I feeling? could say, so what are you angry about? Or what are you happy about? Or what are you what are you excited about? I can add any word in there, but when I put it, you turn the lights off and the parent has the idea, my child might be afraid. So I'm going to introduce that idea.
0: Okay. That's
1: right. As opposed to a truly neutral, why what are you feeling right now? Right. And if they say my stomach hurts, well, that can be a sign of anxiety. It also can be they're about ready to throw up. Right. So so instead of of adding conclusions into the conversation, the best is to allow them to begin drawing on their own experience and explore that with them the child responds it's dark how do you feel about the dark as opposed to are you scared of the dark right or come on grow up you sh- you're four years old you shouldn't be scared of the dark don't ask the questions that way let no, them explore right. how do you feel about the dark well i'm scared what is it about the dark that's scary to you? Now it allows yeah. them. So they're beginning to put into words. And if they run into, I don't know how to say it. Instead of implanting other words, are there monsters under your bed or in the closet?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: is Are you afraid something's going to jump out and grab you in the dark? Don't ask questions that way. Say, well, right. tell me what you do feel. what can you describe and see where they go with that and yeah. that often uh changes the the orientation of the conversation quite a bit
0: yeah i would agree with that yeah I, I see that i understand that i just think that i mean a lot of times is that to me is that the inner end of the conversation not from a standpoint of this is in the sense of okay this is bad behavior because they're not obeying. I think that's the tendency for most of us, most parents, is to jump to that conclusion. You know, they're just disobeying us. Right. When, you know, in my scenario, it's like, well, because my son went over to somebody's house and watched Monsters Inc. and which is a great movie, but he just a great
1: movie for an eight-year-old.
0: Right, but not for a a four-year-old.
1: Not for a four-year-old.
0: Yeah, because now there's monsters everywhere. So he's afraid to go to sleep. Um, You know, there's that anxiousness, that fear factor of, well, if I go, if I close my eyes, then the monsters are going to come out.
1: Well, and the other, the other challenge is when the news is on, it's not necessarily Monsters Inc., but when, when a three or four year old child, three or four year old child, maybe even two, actually has a mental image and an an understanding of McDonald's. right? The big yellow M against a red background. They understand the word McDonald's. They can say the word McDonald's. I'm picking on that brand because it's very nearly universal. And when there is a shooting at a McDonald's and a child who's two or three or four years old hears guns people shot McDonald's, their brain can say, every time I go to McDonald's, I'm gonna get shot. Now they right. don't think that complicated of an idea, right? but McDonald's is now associated with people getting shot right. and screaming and crying and the police coming and right. people talking angrily and so on and so forth. So those are all feeling level aspects of the world, But a two or three or four-year-old child, even an 8, 10, 12-year-old child, can see that, hear a snatch of it on television. You didn't have them watch all of Monsters, Inc., but they have the idea that people get shot at McDonald's, and we're going to McDonald's tomorrow as a treat. Right. And they cannot get to sleep. Right. Right. So now the child's experiencing an authentic anxiety. Right. That really is not based in reality, but it might be. Right. And they have no way of resolving that at all. Right. right. So when the lights go out and we're going to McDonald's for a treat tomorrow, they have a nighttime of terror, and you and the parent has no idea why. That's one of the reasons why. So you, when you say, let's go back to that conversation. So How are you feeling right now? I'm scared. Well, what are you scared of? Going to McDonald's. And you're going, what? (laughs) Because you don't see any possible connection between a response of fear or worry or anxiety and a treat of going to McDonald's because your brain is not three years old having heard a news story about somebody being shot or a conversation. Child's in the back seat you think they're asleep, they're hearing the conversation in the front seat, it could be enough to create anxiety. So, so if anxiety is a different level of fear, worry, um, any of the exposure words, it's in there somewhere. So four syllables, it's fairly complicated thinking, but the feeling of fear is a common human response. Right. The danger, a lack of safety and security, feeling right. like you're falling, like, uh, like there's danger. So it's appropriate to have fear response. If you have no fear at all, that could end your life. Walk right. out in front of cars and traffic, exactly. you have no fear walk at the edge of a cliff, get a selfie because you want to lean over and you're gone. People without fear uh, are in great danger often and have no perception of it.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So if that, so what does anxiety feel like? How do you know anxious feelings are beginning to occur? What have you seen in people, children or adults, that would be anxiety symptoms?
0: Uh, I would have to say that that probably one of the fundamental things I view I viewed uh, I would say across the board is this deep sense of lack of control or influence over what is transpiring outside of my realm to be able to fix it. To be able to make it
1: right and so but what does anxiety feel like inside of you
0: well inside of a person I think it's that that angst of of um, I don't want to say cataclysmic but that sense of apocalyptic feel that it's going to all come crashing down
1: well that would be an extreme level that's terror that's uh you know, out of control,
0: but I think from a standpoint, well, let's just take someone who is in a relationship and the relationship is is I mean, I deal with this all the time. you know the relationship is not going well. and okay. usually the guy has more vested in it than the girl and and so, consequently,
1: or at least in the scenario you're describing, because you right. deal a lot with guys,
0: right? So the people who
1: deal with girls would say the girls have a lot more I'm invested more, more in it right. than guys do. Right.
0: Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, in my world, that's what I deal with, you know, frequently. In fact, even now. Um, and so there's this, you know, there's this sense of where I can't make it. Um, I I don't have the control over it. I don't have the facilitation over it to be able to get the security, which comes back to what we were talking about, can get the security in the relationship. So that feeling inside is that of helplessness, that feeling inside of angst of, uh, I don't know what to do.
1: So so those are mental processes. What I'm asking is, for some people there's a knot that occurs right below the sternum right above right. the stomach or it's the a chest knot it's feeling yeah. like there's right. an actual tension pinch. physical right right for other right. people it will be i can't get my breath right for I other agree people anxiety can be i have a stomach ache or i get a migraine right um my nose won't stop running right um I have uh, a choke. My throat is constricted. So those are those are like body symptoms, right.
0: I agree. okay. I understand so when what a you're child
1: asking. when a child trying to go to sleep and they they're clutching their their chest, their heart, right. or they're right. holding their stomach, or you see them wiping tears away from their eyes or holding their head. You can go there and ask questions, not about the anxiety. Does your tummy hurt? Right. What's, what does it feel like in your chest? Right. Um, tell me about your head, not do you have a headache? Tell me about your headway. Right. And then they can begin to, to describe that feeling. Oddly, one of the ways of dealing with anxiety is deal with that symptom. You can't get your breath. Okay, before we talk about why you feel so anxious, let's take five minutes and just breathe together. Breathe in, breathe out. Or your stomach hurts. All right, sit up straighter, stretch backwards. And you're actually dealing purely with a symptom But if you can have a person concentrate, here's why I think that works. Anxiety or fear of being in danger is often, not always, but often, I don't have the ability to be safe. If I can control my breathing If I can stretch my stomach muscles, if I can crack my neck, I can actually build safety into my own body systems. I'm in control of that. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about the anxiety of money. But we've already spent five minutes breathing And you've been able to control that. You've built yourself a platform of safety. Now, what money do you have? Let's take a portion. Let's come up with some solutions. Here are some expenditures coming you can put off for a late. Now you're coming up with answers where the locus of control moves from outside to inside. And I think one of the keys in anxiety is that question of where is the locus of control? Where's the focus? Mm -hmm. If the Mm -hmm. focus is in the closet, under the bed, in the dark, as long as there's a closet, a bed in the darkness, I'm gonna still be scared. If it's in me and I can solve my own fear, at least a little, right now the locus of control is mine and that changes the entire game plan i think regarding the area of anxiety when when i interact with people on the internet some i know and many i don't what is it that's causing your fear i saw a meme or i went to a website who produced that website i don't know so why is your reaction to a website possibly caused by a russian nationalist or some mean troll that just likes having fun with people. You don't really know where that came from, but your reaction is I saw a copperhead in our neighborhood and don't go walking in the grass because snakes are in the grass. Well, I live in upstate New York. There are not copperheads in our grass. Now that said years ago, I was changing the oil in my car up on Jack's, in the grass of our backyard. And I heard an odd sound in my right ear. And I turned my head and there was a garter snake. No, (laughs) I'm not kidding. No further than four inches from my face rearing up. And I'm underneath a car changing oil and its tongue went uh, like four inches from my eye. My, I sat up under the car, banged my head on the fr- on the uh, frame, the chassis of the vehicle, cut my forehead. I've got oil, blood, everything coming down off my face. I scooch myself off. From my, my wife starts screaming because I'm covered in black oil and blood. And I said, I just saw a snake. She doesn't like snakes. <clears throat> and so I went scooting out from underneath. And here comes this garter snake, maybe a foot and a half long. And after we all calmed down, she said, "That's what you were scared of." I said, "You have to understand the situation. I hear a sound. I look over, and right there is a snake flicking its tongue out at me. And I said, my my reaction was not a response. it was it was an instantaneous gut reaction. but the 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 point is when I see a meme saying there's copperheads in the grass there really are not <laughs> copperheads in the grass exactly. i can still react with a great deal exactly. of anxiety and fear. so if the locus of control comes into me at least to some degree i i have a step towards dealing right. with addressing the anxiety which is right. actually not outside of me it's actually inside of me right right
0: no, and I would I would say that's I would say that's very very real, because when I, back to the whole issue to me of control, which brings us back to the place of security and safety, is that the the dynamic of which we live in is that we are taught in our culture that we have the ability to control, you know, all this stuff in. We don't, and so that sense of being able to uh, come back to myself and ask that very simple question, which we ask in our training all the time, is about what are the things that I have actual ability to be able to change and have influence on? You know, it's the, what's it doing to you and what can you do about it? And I think that so many times what happens within the anxiety spectrum is that we are, we have so much of this input of into our lives, which is not real many times, which is the trolling, which is the, I mean, some of this, it's (laughs) amazingly, I mean, you, you, You find yourself if you're not careful and I'm a reader and you're a reader and we spend a lot of time, you know, reading books as well as what's articles on the Internet and all those kinds of things. But eventually, particularly within the online world, uh, for me, I have to just step back because it's like, well, there's just so much of this that's coming in, even though I feel like I'm starting to slide in my perspective of getting. I could get anxious about. I mean, pick a number of things um, that that just causes you know those kinds of dynamics. <coughs> excuse me, of fretting, of deep-seated worry, of all those kinds of issues. When it really does have to come back to what is it I can control within my own my own sphere and make a difference there, excuse me. <coughs> so. I saw
1: I, was, uh, I yeah. saw a uh, video clip on, I think it was my Facebook feed today. I watched some of those videos just for fun. And, uh, and there was one that I saw this morning out for my morning walk that was quite intriguing. Uh, and it really had to do with the different topics. Uh, people could find this online there was some very high level Navy commander, very high decorated hat, lots of ribbons and everything all over his uniform. And he was talking about um, being a Navy SEAL, which is the very, very high level training right. and extreme, extremely high risk, right. um, a, a lot of danger. And, and this commander was talking about what he went through at the beginning of SEAL training. And he said, he shook his head and he said, it seemed at the time to be the most irrelevant, meaningless, foolish aspect of Navy training. But every single morning when we were new recruits, the commanders came into our bunk and they inspected our bedding. And we had to have the sheets on, square corners. You could bounce a quarter off the sheets and blankets because they were so taut. It had to be done right. And he goes, We as young recruits are saying this is worthless, that we want to be, we're going to be warriors. And they're having us make our bed in the morning. And the commander said, The reality is when you get out of your sack, if you are in control of how you leave that bedding, you've already accomplished something in the day that was in your hands to do. You have accomplished something and it's yours. And he said, we learned that every single day you make your bed, you take care of your food gear, you dress yourself properly so that when you face the next challenge of the day, You've already got three accomplishments right. done right because that's the kind of person you are. And I thought that is that is incredible insight into the conversation yeah. on anxiety. Yeah. If exactly. life is out of control all the time, exactly. you have no idea what's coming. Anxiety is going to be a constant presence, right. but you get out of bed, if you make your bed, you don't necessarily make it Navy style, but you make it properly. You eat your breakfast and whether it's a single napkin or a fork, knife, spoon and plate, put it away properly. It takes a few seconds. Dress yourself properly. You've done three things that give you control over your day. When That's you okay. get ready to come home to bed, your bed is going to be made and waiting for you. You're in control of that. And now that becomes a way of dealing with anxiety because I exert the management of my life because right. I choose to.
0: Right, right. And I would I would totally, totally agree with it. I think that has so much to do within the framework of why we have I think many times our children and why we're frustrated and we're anxious because we're going so many different directions. We come back to the place of where we should have solace, if you will, our home, and it's in chaos. And, you know, and it's like, okay, how do you expect there to begin to have any place that has a foundation of where you can, your child particularly can sit down and say, yeah, this is good and right, and and it's okay. It doesn't have to be moving all the time. Right. It doesn't have to be in the constant go 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 go. And you know, unfortunately, when we buy into that, which you know, which the marketing world wants us to buy into, it, it's very destructive in the end because all of a sudden you find yourself in that very same place of saying. Why is it I'm always just feeling out of, if you will, sorts? I this sense of just I'm like this all the time. It's Like, well, there is no place in your life that is get some solid, solid, you know, that's solid for you to be able just to stop and rest and think and and then move from there. Because you're right, you you don't have. You you've, you haven't you haven't gotten any kind of sense of of direction, if you will, or you have got you have not gotten any place that you've had actually you've been okay because you've accomplished those things to set your trajectory right. for the day, and so you're constantly flailing around out here trying to figure out how to do that, and your kids don't have the emotional ability. They, you know, depending on where they are and their age, but they have, you know, they're just going to follow your lead at that level, which is not going to be a good thing because they have less ability, far less ability.
1: So here, that, that raises an interesting question why children would have anxiety if their parent is a helicopter parent and you're drinking out of a blue glass, you set it down. If your spouse or your mom or somebody else in your life picks up your blue glass, takes it to the sink for you, you don't have any responsibility, you're not in control of what happens around you. So if your child is done with a snack and they just throw the garbage or whatever, leave the plate, encouraging or requiring them to manage their own life, shifts the locus of control back into their hands. They're gonna complain. They're going to argue, they're going to fight, yep. they're going to not yep. do it, yep. but the degree to which you shift the locus of control back towards them, you will help them solve anxious Correct. feelings.
0: Correct. That's exactly right. And it comes back to that aspect of which we talk about so much in our own trainings is that until you start owning it right. and realize it's yours that you have to fix at this level, you're not the victim. Right. Uh, and but if you make your child an enabled victim, guess what? They they're going to struggle for a long time with that whole aspect of anxiousness. All and they right.
1: may well, actually for the rest of their life. I mean that that becomes a lifelong pattern. Exactly.
0: All right, we're I think we're about there today. Yeah. So this has been good. Good talking with you. <laughs> so thanks for listening to Gripping Reality
1: number 51 anxiety
0: this is west coast mike
1: east coast mike you guys have a great day yeah